I don't believe in free speech. I don't believe in free speech. I can't stand what they teach. I don't believe in free speech. I can't stand what they teach. I can't stand what they preach. I don't believe in free speech. And we're back. Sorry for the delay, everyone. It's been rough times. A lot of stuff has happened since the last time you recorded anything. We're, I mean, uh, Russia and Ukraine are at war and the Oscars happened and... The worst Pixar movie of all time came out. To, as of now, the worst Pixar movie. As it's all now. downhill from here. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. It's only getting worse. They've been getting worse, and they're just going to keep... We, we The direction is clear now. We're not going to talk about Russia. Um, um, I guess we probably won't talk about your birthday. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't memorable. <laughs> it's just, you know, birthdays get worse. The, the older you get, they just get worse and worse. I hate my birthdays now. I'm really honestly, I used to love my birthdays and now they're just depressing. You shouldn't be depressed on your birthday when you're turning 24. No, you shouldn't. Well, yeah, exactly. But you should when you're my age. Then they're just depressing. Everything just gets worse. Well, I think they've just gotten worse for me early. I heard an interesting um, thing in my class yesterday that we sort of talked about a little bit Um, We had a guest artist, a huge, important guest artist, come in and talk to us. And she posed the question, when aliens discover our bodies, will our panties be crusty? (laughs) And I've been thinking about that. And I'm thinking there probably wouldn't be anything left of us when aliens... Including Invade. your your crusty, uh, yeah, that's what passes for art these days. But yeah, we could we could talk about that too if you want. Your amazing um, nightmare of a woke class that like what? I mean, you kind. I guess what we're talking about this week is just what has happened to uh, big air quotes here art <laughs> lately. So we were going to talk about um, this Pixar movie, Turning Red. Which we were excited to watch. You went into it not knowing anything. I had seen the trailer and was like, I don't know. But, you know, we like watching Pixar movies. The old Pixar movies are great. They're really, um, they're the closest thing to Miyazaki that an American could ever do. And compared to Miyazaki, they're still, you know, they're still just nowhere close. It's it's kind of, you know, but, um, but... That's for, you know, sorry, John Lasseter, if you're listening. I know, like, Miyazaki is his hero. <laughs> but, I mean, they're great. The old, but, but some of those movies, like, Up, you know, I can never get through the beginning of Up without, without sobbing. <laughs> yeah, they have a heavy emotional element, even for adults, even though they're made yeah. for children. That's the thing, is that they're, they're, they're movies that, the Pixar movies have always been movies that everybody can watch together. Mm-hmm. Like, you, your five-year-old can watch it, and, you, and whatever age you are as an adult, you can watch it. And they're actually... They're actually great films, as opposed to Turning Red. <laughs> we we watched probably like twenty minutes of it, and we just had to pause it. And we both were like, "What in the hell is this?" Oh, that's right. It took us and like days to actually make ourselves go back and actually finish it. Yeah, we we, we started sure watching we it, it, and we were just sort of in awe, like taken aback that this was a Pixar movie marketed towards little kids and. Then I think two or three days later, we were like, oh, well, maybe we could talk about this on the podcast, so we should probably just finish it. And even then, we started during lunch, and we were like, I I think you said, I don't even know if I can, I really don't think I can get through this. But we somehow managed to get through it. And that night that we started it, when we watched the first 20 minutes, it was like 20, 25 minutes in, um, we started looking at reviews. And all of the critic reviews, if you just Google it and go to Rotten Tomatoes or... Um, what whatever it says, like they're they're outstanding reviews. Like they're all saying this is so amazing. It's you know monumental. It's life changing. It's the movie that we need right now. But then if you go to a website like um, there are all those websites out there that do parental guides 
and they're actually parents writing the reviews for other parents to read specifically like would you show this to your child and it breaks it down into like all these different things like sexuality um drugs like harmful language all these different things and every single review on that website there were like hundreds of them were like i started this with my kids and had to turn it off almost immediately because they were starting to ask questions about stuff that like they were not old enough to talk about and i was not prepared to talk about let me like i should i guess for people who haven't seen it i should just give a quick like explanation of should you explain it or should I explain it? Because I'm a woman who has had my period and you're a man and you have no experience. <laughs> By all means. Okay, so basically this little girl who's like 11, I think. 11, 12, you know, not a teenager. Um, and she lives in Canada and she's Chinese. She's 12 when the movie starts. Okay. So she gets her, she wakes up one morning, she has a group of friends at her school and they're all obsessed with this boy band, sort of like in sync. Um, and she <laughs> wakes up one morning and realizes that she's turned into a giant red panda. And she rushes into the bathroom and her mom runs in and basically is like, oh, you got your period. Here's some pads. Here's this is what you do. And her, she's just basically like, don't talk to me about it, mom. So the whole movie is her coming of age, but in a, a very weird sense. And it's supposed to be a lesson to, I guess, parents and their children that their children are right and the parents are always wrong. And that once your daughter decides that she's like, She's recognized her budding sexuality. You just have to let her do whatever the hell she wants. So it's the first Pixar movie set in Canada. It's the first movie like involving like a Chinese family. And it's the first Pixar movie directed by a woman. And the first Pixar directed by and it's directed by a Chinese woman, right? Yeah. Chinese Canadian woman. So it's like this own voice thing. Like she has the right to tell this story. Um because She's talking about like her own people. Right. But despite that fact, I just read a New York a New Yorker article this morning by a woman who is also Chinese and also lived in Canada. And she was like, this is so stereotypical and it's just awful. It's garbage, basically. That's I And mean, she talks about her own experience getting her period and going to school and just saying that like everything in the movie was so overdone. I mean, the bottom line, we might as well just throw the bottom line out there right now, which is that the movie is awful. And the audience review is basically like, this movie sucks ass. What the hell happened to Pixar? Um, the audience reviews have ranged somewhere between like, you know, parents that are like conservative parents who are pissed off and like, this is completely inappropriate for kids. And not just and conservative parents, I would say. I've seen a lot of backlash from people that I'm Facebook friends with who are like young parents who are not conservative and I've seen on that website where they review, it's the parents actually writing the reviews who have said, like, I'm very liberal, but I would not, I don't want to have my child finish this. The thing is that this is supposed to be a Pixar movie. A lot of people respond to the fact that, like, it's a Pixar movie. So you assume you can just hit play and your five-year-old's going to be fine and your 10-year-old's going to be fine. But this is not that kind of movie and there's no indication of that. So, and what, one of the interesting things I want to talk about is the fact that it's like you don't have some of the responses, the sort of woke responses are like, you don't have a right to be uncomfortable with this, which is a classic sort of woke response. Like, if you're uncomfortable with this, it's because, you know, you can't deal with feminine sexuality or whatever. And if you don't like the film, it's because you're a racist and can't deal with strong Canadian voices or strong Chinese voices or something. But the bottom line, I might as well just put out there for me right now, is that like, at the end of the day, you know, it's just, it's like academic art, which is that like, it's only, it's only, you have to explain to people why it's supposed to be good, but it's like a joke that isn't funny. And you go, well, let me explain to you why it's actually funny. And you go, yeah, but it's not funny. The movie is grating, annoying, not funny, not entertaining. The characters aren't likable. They're incredibly annoying and obnoxious. The movie is not funny. It's not particularly creative. It's completely, completely subpar for the kind of thing we're used to seeing from Pixar, which is really creative, really imaginative, really original, 
groundbreaking stuff with very emotional stories that are universal human stories. It doesn't matter if you're fucking Chinese or you're fucking an American from West Virginia. It just, it works because it's a sort of universal human story. And this is the opposite approach where it's like, this is a very specific, this is a very specific sort of section that we're moving in on. And anybody who is, you know, if you, if you respond to this by saying this isn't relatable, we should like, one critic actually did said it's this is like an infamous uh criticism cinema by now wire or cinema blend i think yeah, i can't remember the guy's name but he made a uh yeah he actually said this is not relatable to me and then he <laughs> they actually like deleted the criticism from the history of criticism they erased it it's gone and i don't even know what happened to that guy but it's like he dared to defy the uh the thing this is the kind of movie that's just criticism proof because if you say you don't like it they can just say what's well, that's because you can't deal with you can't deal with women's sexuality or you can't deal with uh, a story about Canadian people. But the problem is not the fact that it deals with human sexuality and it's not the fact that it's about, oh, these are we're, we're seeing women in strong positions. But it's that it teaches children to disobey their parents and to basically disregard their ideas and their beliefs completely. Because the whole end of the movie is just her. She sneaks away to go to this. She basically she starts prostituting herself in a way because she sets up that, um, like, come take pictures with the red panda. Come buy merch with my face on it. Like, you can, I'll, I'll come to your party um, and just dance around with you for, like, $50 so I can go to this concert. That's problematic also. That, I mean, is essentially just prostitution. Or, like, you're turning yourself into a freak show in a way everybody's like, whoa, we can go see this crazy panda. But then after that, when she sneaks away to the concert, she basically just tells her mom, I'm going and you can't do anything about this. And in the end, she's the one who's supposed to be right in that situation. She's supposed to be the one that taught her mother a lesson. And that's not how parenting works. And that's not how your childhood is supposed to be. Right. So basically, like, the rundown of the the rundown of the plot is that... Um, Chinese family living in Toronto, 12-year-old, gets her period, turns into a monster. Like, in this case, literally, she turns it's into this It's a family history that they all the women in the family, when they get their... Right. Or when they come of age, I suppose. Because they don't, they don't mention the period directly except for the pads. They do actually mention, yeah, the pads, the pads and all that stuff, right. But other than that, for the rest of the movie, it's not brought up. So, right. So, so critics have basically seen it as, like, her turning into this big... They, they actually call it, like, a big, smelly, red, dirty... Uh, creature or whatever and it's like you know i mean i'm always talking about ernest becker like talking <laughs> talk about the creatureliness anxiety thing so i get that but right? it's a so good people- thing to teach your child that your period is not dirty you're not a dirty gross creature but that doesn't necessarily that does not belong in a pixar film well th- the thing is so people are interpreting it as like so it's it's obviously a metaphor for getting your period but it's also a metaphor for just you know your emerging sexuality and your body and all that stuff that's happening. So that's all happening. And then she goes crazy and gets super temperamental and she has to try to control her rage because every time she loses her, every time she loses her temper, she turns into like the beast. What the girl and her friends want is to go to this, um, this concert. That's like their, their boy band concert. That's like a, you know, it's like a, Backstreet Boys in sync or like Boys to Men from Bob's Burgers kind of thing where that's what they're trying to do and the mom and and yeah so they end up throughout the movie they just end up basically lying and cheating and and it's and like prostituting themselves like like selling the panda for like like uh selling like you said selling people merch and like appearances and pictures you can get your picture taken for Instagram or whatever like with the panda and you have to give me money and then we can get the money together to go see this this concert and then the emotional part of the storyline, I guess, is supposed to be like her relationship with her mother that's all extremely strained. And then finally, what happens at the end? I don't even remember. It's just so... Well, they have... They they organize that ceremony ritual to basically exercise the panda from her. And she goes into... They go to the temple and she goes into the little trance where she's walking through the forest, the bamboo forest, and she decides she doesn't want to let go of the panda. And so then she goes to the concert and the mom gets so mad that she turns back into the panda, even though she had like, you know, learned to control it over the years. And she goes to the concert and basically wrecks house 
And then the girl starts screaming at her and yelling at her and slapping her ass and twerking in front of her and saying, this is who I am. And Literally, then the mom, she does do a twerking. And then the moms, <laughs> the mom, they just both start dancing together. Oh, my God. Yeah. And there is that scene where the mom loses her shit. Like the kids have snuck out and gone to the concert and this like hundred foot high monster, which is the mother who's lost her shit literally like terrorizes thousands of people she like comes into the stadium and destroys the stadium and terrorizes people and it's like you know if you made a movie about a father and son where the son is like coming of age and can't control his anger and his rage and yet you celebrated his rage as his true essence that shouldn't be suppressed throughout the film. It's interesting to, to think about Turning Red as basically just academic art, basically, which is that it's coming from a place that is sort of intellectual and political, not emotional, right? And that's the, the key difference, I think, that you can smell out instantly. You know, you can sniff this out instantly in the second you hit play on this movie, which is that this is, the purpose of this is political, not emotional. That's the difference between the other Pixar movies and this one, which is, you know, meaning that when people talk about, when critics talk about why this is a good movie, what they're really saying is this movie is making points that we think need to be made. And it's gotten to the point where if you ask somebody, did you like this or not? You know, they just respond with, yes, I like it because I because I stand behind the message, you know, and it's just like it's just like an awards show at this point, which, is you know, like like the Oscars, where it's like people go, well, this was a good Oscars because the first deaf guy won a thing. And then the first like uh, first like Latina woman won a thing. And, you know. It's not about, well, but was it a good movie? That isn't the point. The point is we're just obsessed with this idea. We're just so obsessed with this identity lens that it's all about like just making sure we're making such important strides this Oscars because we gave out awards to the first this and the first that and the first this. And it's it's like the actual quality of the films is the least important thing. It's just about awarding different identities at this point and, and notching those off, you know, like on the, the sort of like the the woke bedpost political art like this art in quotation fingers here, um, you know, is it's, it's, uh, it's criticism proof. Any attempt to criticize it will instantly be instantly be deflected by, you know, an accusation. Like if I say, if you say I can't relate to this because it's a fucking shabby, lazy story, you know, then go, no, you can't relate to it because you just, you know, because you need to broaden your horizon. It's not, you know, you need, it's not white enough for you. And, and the same thing with the comment that you said about like, you know, this isn't appropriate for young children. Well, that just means you're like, you're, you're body shaming teen girls. No, I'm just saying, I don't think that I should, that's like, doesn't a parent have a right to say, I don't want to introduce my six-year-old to the topics of menstruation and sex just yet. Doesn't a parent have a right to do that? And the answer is no, you don't. You have you don't have a right. You don't have a right to be offended by this. Well, I think I, I think it's just a it's a big turn in Pixar's past movie history for a lot of reasons. And it like they they do hide things. Like there are jokes. That's why why people who are older can watch Pixar movies and enjoy them because like once you go back and watch them since you've grown up, there are little hints at sex and death and life and everything. But they're so like hidden under all these different levels of the imaginary world that they've created and they're jokes that little kids simply wouldn't get. So nothing is put as straightforward as this is a girl getting her period. So I wonder if it would work, if it would have been better and it would have felt more like a Pixar movie if this was like, if this was a colony of red pandas and one of them turns into like a, a black and white panda or like yeah. one of them turns into like a polar bear or right. something. Something different. Because it's not explicitly stating it. And that's what Pixar does. They don't explicitly state things. Like, what was it? We were watching Toy Story and there was some joke about sex that I, I turned to you and I was like, man, when I watched this when I was little, the last time I watched it, I didn't get that. But now I get it. Yeah, that's the way typically they do it. It's like there's, there's plenty of stuff, actually. There's plenty of like adult content, but it's, you know, it's just... There's a shielding up, you know, that the five-year-old won't get it and the, the, the parents will, you know. And there's nothing about, there's nothing like that in Turning Red. 
it's just too it doesn't feel like a pixar movie interesting uh, like just side note i was um because so we're watching it on disney so i was looking through disney and i was like oh man they have ducktales on here <laughs> i used to watch that show all the time when i was a kid so i was like oh man i've got to go back and watch the first couple episodes and like the fourth episode or something is is like uh this episode where <laughs> i turn on the episode this is i mean it's a cartoon for kids i used to watch all the time and at the beginning of the episode, this this disclaimer comes on that says, you know, the following episode indi- uh, includes portrayals of, you know, indigenous people uh, in a negative in a negative light. This was wrong then, and it is wrong now. However, we have decided, rather than removing this from the catalog, we've decided to include it here to facilitate, you know, a conversation. Like this is. DuckTales, and they're including a disclaimer like that. Turning Red comes out, no disclaimers, nothing. You have to put disclaimers on things if there's, like, cigarette smoking involved. The following, and you know, the following program includes tobacco usage. And there's all these crazy warnings now that to people of my generation are like, what? There's a, there's, you have to warn people that there's going to be tobacco use in this, in this movie because the child might see it and want to start smoking, but you don't have to warn people if there's going to be like menstruation and sexuality and teen lust in a 12 year old, like you don't have to warn a six year old about that. No, because that would be shaming women. The question that it brings up is, I mean, one of the questions is like, what role do parents have a right to play at this point? You know, because the audience, the audience review seems to be largely negative and the critics reviews are pretty much a hundred percent positive. I mean, almost, because one guy dared to say the movie sucked. He just said, look, it's not relatable to me, and it's really annoying. The main character is super obnoxious and annoying throughout the whole movie. I just didn't find it relatable because I'm sitting here looking at this like the whole movie is about like a a really moody 12-year-old girl like who wants to go to a boy band concert. I think it's fair for like a 45-year-old man to say that he doesn't that he doesn't find it relatable to watch a movie that's all about 12-year-olds going to a concert because the movie is so sloppy and slack-ass it failed to present a universal emotional story that anybody could relate to. I also don't relate to being a race car, but I can still enjoy cars even though that's my least favorite one. But like, you know, Toy Story, like things like that. Like like nobody says I can't relate to this because it's all about a bunch of toys. Who cares about some some eight-year-old boy and his toys? Well, we do care because it's because it's a well-crafted story. Like Finding Nemo, it's about fish. Nobody said like I can't relate to fish because it's not about fish, obviously. It's about a family. It's about, you know, it's about like perseverance and love and all these things like universal themes. This movie is just slack. It's just, it's just, it's just not a very complicated storyline. It's very thin. It's just, it's, and the main thing is it's just annoying. It's just not funny. It's not good. There's scenes that are so cringy. The whole thing has the vibe of like, like a political think tank sitting around coming up with a storyline together and going, oh yeah, this will play great. This will play great. You know, and it's just so I think doesn't the guy have a right to make a criticism and say, I don't find this relatable. But he like I think he I mean, he basically lost his job. They certainly erased, they expunged his criticism from the record. So now they can keep saying, it, you know, the critics all love it. The critics don't actually love it, but nobody's allowed to say that they that they hate it. Right. I think it just comes down to it's an awful movie. I mean, regardless of what it's about, it's the story sucks, the characters suck, even the visuals are not particularly impressive. Um, and then on the the side of like, what is what does it mean for parents and their role? I I think like we don't have any kids, but my best friend has two kids, and I know we've had multiple conversations about this where. If she doesn't want her kids to see something, she just won't show it to them. And if they want to watch it and she doesn't want them to watch it, she'll basically just say, no, we're going to watch something else instead. So I think it just ends up being on the parents' part. Parents can still be parents by just saying, you know, we're not going to watch this. (laughs) Or just not even taking part in it at all. You and I didn't have to watch it. 
But we did. We barely because we got like it. we like watching things that piss us off. This movie feels more like um, like a DreamWorks movie. This is a much more a movie like it's not up to Pixar level. It's more like because there's Pixar movies and there's like DreamWorks movies. Like I guess DreamWorks did like Shrek and all those kind of movies. You know, like I don't know if these are all DreamWorks, but those other kind of animated movies that are like. They look more computerized, and they're just there's just a lower level. They're, they're much more, more straightforward. They're just they kind of just are what they are. And Pixar has an element of artistry that is way beyond those movies. And then above that, you have like Studio Ghibli right. films. And even the DreamWorks movies are still a bit more adult. You know, mm-hmm. like I wouldn't show Shrek to like my five-year-old no you know still, but, but the thing is they also have like dreamworks movies are full of like really just like kind of cringy like they love bringing in like the shrek movies where you're gonna bring in like you're gonna have a fucking like dance sequence with smash mouth you know <laughs> you're gonna bring in like a really embarrassing pop song and have everybody dance and there's a lot of like really looking straight at the camera, obvious jokes and like sort of pulling the needle off the record kind of zoop kind of moments, you know, where it's, it's a very, it's just a much lower level of, I mean, they they can be fun. I'm not even insulting. Yeah. Them. Shrek is the great. Shrek's fun, whatever. <laughs> yeah. These movies are, but the thing is they're not really supposed to, they're not supposed to play as like cinema. And they're not That's supposed the to be thought provoking, which every single Pixar movie that okay, so we we like were rewatching them, and we, I think both of us like our timeline of when we have watched Pixar movies and when we haven't is about the same. Like, we haven't seen the newer ones. We haven't seen Inside Out. Um, what are the other ones? Bow, I think maybe. Bow. Yeah. Or maybe, oh, Bow is the short Pixar movie that the woman who um, directed Turning Red made before mm. she made Turning Red. Okay. Um, like I watched Coco. And that was good. I mean, it was good. It wasn't as good as the other ones, but it was still good. They were obviously trying to, they're trying to become more inclusive of other cultures, but they're still making human, universal sort of human stories. Right. And the thing with Turning Red is that it's not a universal story. It's just not Because it's thought, not good writing. And it's not thought provoking either. They could have made a story about a 12 year old Asian girl living in Canada that I could have related to. As a middle-aged white man, they could have done that or, if they were better writers. It's not my <laughs> fault that it's not relatable. Bottom line that you could have cared one shit about, not that's even that I'm you're saying. relating to it, that you're just like, oh, that this is a heartfelt story. That's you what know, I'm saying. I, don't, I get that. I could, I could have cared less if they had, had a suicide, murder-suicide pact at the end of the movie, I would that would have been fine with me. I couldn't have given two shits about any of the characters in that movie. And it's not because I'm a racist and it's not because I'm a misogynist. It's because it's a fucking poorly written movie, you know, that like I don't care about cars at all. But like I would care if they killed this stupid looking car voiced by Owen Wilson because like it's just better writing. But in Turning Red, there's no there's no the story is the 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 meaning that's behind it there's no other layer to it it's literally just one dimensional it is and what it is is just a political statement it's a talking point that that's why the movie i think does more harm than good because a woman a a girl getting her period going through puberty realizing her sexuality growing into who she'll end up being as an adult should not be a political statement your period should not be something that is such a fucking big deal in terms of turning it into, they don't need to have a Pixar movie about it and it shouldn't, and it should not be something that's political. And the underlying political point of this too, one of the main thrusts that is repeated over and over again in this film, the theme is like the same thing that makes you out of this out of control monster. It's also what gives you your power and your strength, you know, like, I'm a wild, wicked, it's sort of that like wild, we, you're special and amazing and wild and terrifying and beautiful and wonderful just because you are a woman. I mean, I talked about this before. It's like that book, Women Who Run With Wolves. I think yeah, that's the title that of the book. shit of like, you know, whatever you are is badass because you're a woman. And whatever you are, if you're a man, is toxic. Fuck you. But then if you really think about it and Which you think about tiresome. the substance of 
what happens and what makes the character Maylin, the little girl, a powerful woman, everything she does sucks. Literally sucks. She prostitutes herself. The part that made me so mad that I remember pausing, I think, and I was like, this is just, I can't, this is, this is pissing me off. It was the moment where she, her and her mother, her mother is trying so hard to have a relationship with her, to have her daughter find her interesting and cool. And she really just wants to hang out with her. She's not even being overbearing. She can re- she can see that her daughter is growing up and soon she's going to be, you know, a totally different person and they're not going to have the same connection that they did when she was little, which happens to everybody. But that that point where her mom asks her, like, um, how are you able to control the panda? How are you able to keep it inside? And this entire time, the girl has been imagining her best friends coming together and giving her a hug and talking about how much they're excited to go see the boy band and she lies to her mom's face and says like oh I think about you and I think about dad and I think about our happy family that's just so fucked up yeah that's like (laughs) that's and that's a lot of people have been responding to that element of it just saying like this is not like this is supposed to be the protagonist this is not a good you know, this is not a character that we want our children looking up to. And then the response, of course, is like, that's because you're a, you're a conservative asshole or whatever. That's what they hit you with. Like, if you say, I don't want to make, you know, I don't think that I want my eight-year-old to be looking up to a character who lies to her parents and gets rewarded for it, you know? And again, coming at the same thing, like, if it was just written better, Take, I could think of five scenes from earlier Pixar films off the top of my head. I'll just pick one, like the beginning of Up, with no dialogue, much less like slapstick, stupid comedy, with no dialogue. They have a scene that's like three minutes long that tells you the whole life story of two people falling in love, spending their lives together, and then one of them dying. And it's just heartbreaking. Or like, same thing in Toy Story. Each one of those has like a musical. There's a sequence in the middle somewhere where, you know, you get with no dialogue, just with imagery. You tell the story visually of, you know, like uh, when Jessie, Jessie's memory of having been abandoned by her owner. Like mm-hmm. she's this girl's toy and, the, and they, they, they are in love with each other. And then the girl grows up and just forgets about her. And she doesn't care about her anymore. And this doll stops meaning anything. And finally, she gets left in a box on the side of the road. You know, it's like this heartbreaking thing. What I want the director of Turning Red to do is to watch one of those scenes and then hang your head in shame. <laughs> you know, that you was way are harsh. pathetic. This is a pathetic story. I'm glad all of your, all of your, you can go around to universities and all the academics can congratulate you and all your friends can tell you how, what an amazing director and what an amazing writer you are because you have a great talking point that everybody wants to hear right now. But as a writer, as a director, you're a fucking hack. Well, it's just, it seems like Pixar decided, Pixar decided we need to have, we need to branch out with the people who are involved with our movies and they picked this woman because she'd worked with them before and they were like, oh, she's Chinese, you know, it's going to be, she can write a movie about girl power. And at the end of the day, like the New Yorker article that I read this morning, it feels so much just like a movie that she made for her friends and family. It's, it's too, it's too personal. It's too personal. But it's about something that's so universal to all young girls that it feels weird. Like, like, even though I had, like, gone through that and I've had my period and I had to deal with, like, getting my period the first time and growing up, it that didn't feel like my experience at all. And I think that my experience was more similar to, like, 50 other women that I have talked to about it versus, like, this one story about this one girl. It just feels like it's a weird memoir type thing. And that's not what a Pixar movie is supposed to and be again, about. Again, I and I don't want to like put words in your mouth, but it sounds like this is what you're saying. Like I, I'm just going back to my same point over and over again that I'm going to just beat into the wall here, which is um, beat into the ground, drive into the ground. Was saying, <laughs> you know, which is that like again, compare it to Finding Nemo. Like I, I, maybe I'm getting this wrong, but I'm pretty sure I remember um, listening to the commentary on that years ago. The director and the writer of that. You know, it was inspired by, uh, you know, his new experience with fatherhood and dealing with that. Finding Nemo is completely about, like, 
the father's experience here of having to learn to let go and let his child take risks and let his child move away from him and just trust his child and let go of that and stop being terrified that you're going to lose your child at any second. I mean, the very beginning of that movie is, you know, husband and wife fish, you know, and they lose like they have like because they're fish. So they Man have like fish. They have like. 500, you know, kids or whatever that have just been born in their little, in their little hatchling paws or whatever. And then they all get eaten by like a shark or something. But there's only one left, you know, and that's Nemo and, he, and his fin gets injured. So he has this gimpy fin, you know. And then the whole movie is like him just like just obsessively protecting his son and not letting him do anything or take any chances because he's so afraid he'll get hurt. And the whole movie is like he has to learn to let go. Okay, so that story... That came out of something very personal. This one guy, I want to tell a story about my experience. I want to tell a story about fatherhood. Except he's, a, he's an awesome writer. So he makes it a universal story that everybody can relate to. Uh, not just dads, by right. the way. Not just little... dads and certainly not just like white dads from California who are cis and straight. You know, and that's what this kind of movie is specifically. Like I'm going to tell a story that is so specific and pinpointed. And I'm going to do it in such a lazy way that there's nothing there except the point, which is what you said before. It just is what it is. Like, okay, I get it. After three minutes, I'm like, okay, I get it. I can skip the rest of the movie because there's no nuance here. There's no complexity and there's no there's no emotional depth to these characters. They are one-dimensional characters. They are what they are. This is the one who fulfills this role in the script. The irony of what everything you just said is, okay, f- like – Finding Nemo is about a dad learning to not be so overprotective of his son. That is what, that's literally what Turning Red is trying to do. It's trying to say, oh, this mother who's supposed to be so overbearing is supposed to just be like, oh, you can do whatever you want to do. Right. But Same story. Nemo, Nemo wasn't like, oh, I'm going to swim to um, Sydney, Australia, and I'm going to um, sell myself. I'm going to move into the zoo and um, charge $5 for little selfies with me. And I'm going to sell shirts with my face on them. And, oh, I'm going to go hang out with these sharks who are in like the shark band. And Nemo's like, well, what about our house here where we go to school and we do these things and we we like we have friends and we have a little community and a family. And Nemo's like, no, fuck that. I'm going to go to fucking Sydney and I'm going to be a prostitute and you can't stop me. Also, that movie is filled to the brim with fantastic acting and great writing and beautiful animation you know, this movie is just looks like compared to that movie, just visually, as you mentioned early, visually, it's just pretty flat and uninteresting and recycled and just like it feels ho-hum. more like a DreamWorks. That's movie what in that's that way. what made me think of that. Yeah, exactly. It, it's just it looks like 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 uh, like the Madagascar movies or something. You know, they just it just looks flat and kind of computerized. And and there's no like like in Finding Nemo, the acting. You know, you have like Albert Brooks and um, Ellen DeGeneres. You know, and and uh, <laughs> who else? <laughs> Lots of great people. But you know, like this movie, they're like I'm trying. I'm trying to think. We literally just watched uh, Turning Red like days ago, and I can't remember a single part of that that made me laugh or that made me feel anything. You know, and Finding Nemo, I could quote like ten moments right now. That like I I can watch. I've watched that movie twenty times, and I laugh every time <laughs> at certain scenes. Yeah, so Turning Red, the bottom line is it's just not a good movie. What's interesting about this is like it wouldn't be worth doing a podcast about the movie that just about a movie that isn't any good. But the point is like why it was made and the reception that it's getting from critics, mm-hmm. you know, is it's just not any good, but you can't say that. But much more importantly, you can't think that because what's happening now is that people think that they love this movie. But they don't. What they love is the talking point behind the movie. They're like, yeah, right on. It's just it's a fucking like a uh, protest sign mm, or something, yeah. you know. So go write one of those. It's like the same thing with like like academic, you know, academic anything at this point. You know, it's just just go go write a, an academic paper. Stop fucking dabbling in, in, in art. Stop pretending that you're making like an engaging film or a piece of music or something like that. Just go write a paper, you know, 
it's you know it's like I've always felt that way, you know, about academic films like filmmakers like Chantal Ackerman, you know, and people like that. They're only like, let me get an academic to come in here and explain to you why it's interesting to look at a woman eating out of a bag of sugar for twenty minutes, or like there's this like a classic scene where she's like. She's like in the, this like a static tripod shot of a woman sitting on a floor in the background and she starts like putting little pieces of paper down on the floor and she's, and it's just one shot while she just blankets the floor with paper from like the background all the way up to the camera. And there's like all these essays that have been written about how she like, she literally like closes the, the, the gap between, between subject and view, between viewer and object or subjective you know, space or whatever. whatever. And all the, you know, the liminal subjective space is closed. And yeah, okay. But you know what? It's a fucking boring scene. You know, Andy Andy Warhol shooting like Empire State, like an eight hour tripod shot of a building. <laughs> That's not a good movie. Okay. It's it's a it's a it's a nice little political thing to get you laid, you know, or to, to make people to get you if if you're an academic it gets you tenure. It's like these these assholes you have to deal with, you know, at school where it's like, <laughs> here's a pathetic photograph that a fucking five-year-old could have shot, but let me attach this whole academic treatise to it that will explain to you why this is actually good, even though you thought it was done by a five-year-old. Yeah. You know? And then it's everybody <laughs> and the, in your critique, if you say something like that, says, oh, well, you just don't understand it. That's the other point is that this movie is protected from any possible criticism, you know, because if you don't, if you say it's just not a good movie, they go, well, that's because you're threatened by female sexuality and Asian voices and strong women and blah, blah, blah. What if John Lasseter had made this film? You know, John Lasseter, the, you know, the main Pixar guy who did a lot of those films. What if he had made it this film? I think if John Lasseter had made this film, people would lacerate this film as being full of harmful Chinese stereotypes. Which they're they're still saying but about this woman. <laughs> yeah, this woman makes harmful Chinese stereotypes, but now because she is Chinese and Canadian, then she's just like telling an authentic story. If I made this story, you know, I mean, these are because because these are one-dimensional caricatures. They're caricatures, you know, and that's just lazy. The men in this movie are so pathetic. And of course now, again, it's, it's, it's criticism proof. You come in and you go, you know, you go like, Oh, you just can't deal with a man who's this way. You can't deal with strong women. No, but like, like the husband in turning red is so, I mean, the guy can barely speak, you know, mm -hmm. he's just mumbling. He's like fucking Eddie Redmayne all the way through this movie. Stop fucking talking out of the side of your mouth. Open your mouth. Like That's he's just stumbling and stuttering and a fucking idiot who's like, whatever, dear, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, dear. There's actually a moment in this film where he's literally, he looks like frightened by this like abusive wife who eventually becomes so outraged and abusive that she destroys half the city. But yeah. that's cool. He's still sitting there just ready to fucking follow after him and be like, you're the most beautiful, amazing thing ever. Because he's like, he's like suffering from like living with an abusive partner for 30 years. Well, um... What was I going to say? I saw an interesting um, thread about that on Twitter saying like th like movies like this are teaching children that they just like that men in your life don't matter and you don't need a father and you can't learn anything from having a father figure in your life. And somebody was saying like my dad was not in my life and every single day I wish that I did have a father figure in my life. So there's a lot that they can add <laughs> to you. I know. And anybody listening to this, like you can tell me that I'm like a toxic asshole for saying this, but like, you know, and I say, I'm tired of this shit. And then you jump in and you go, that's because you're tired. Men are just tired of not having, they just don't want to give up a piece of the pie. They, they're used to having everything and they don't want to give every, anything up. And I don't think, I would like to say, I don't think that is what I am doing. I think it is not healthy to, to, you know, you know, like what, you can't say anything like emasculate men. You're just, I'm just walking into the trap by saying that, but let me try to put it a different way. Over and over and over again, more and more in, in, in television shows and in movies, you're presenting these useless men on the sidelines, you know, and I guess... You know, 
fair play, ladies. Like you're just turning it around and doing the same thing to men that men have been doing to you for years. You can definitely bring that up. And that's a great point. For decades, we have been making films and telling stories where women are a little more than just sex objects. They're just props in the background. Their only purpose is to sit there and just look hot. You know, and the men do all the action and the exciting things and the women just turn around and go, we're getting a distress call, Captain, in their, in their little miniskirts, and that's all they're supposed to do. Okay, fair enough. But, like, I'm just, here's a call to action, ladies. Like, I understand the resentment. I understand where it's coming from. But we need to learn some lessons historically. And just turning around and being just as bad as men is not going to solve the problem. Doing the same thing to men that they've always done to you is not going to solve the problem. Taking your captor and putting them in the <laughs> cage, you know, I'm just saying, like, there are so many more movies like that. And exactly like what you said, people are watching this and they're going, look, like, you're teaching me that that there is nothing to be learned from men. They're useless. They're stupid. You know, and there's the, there's the unless, stupid. Unless you think that they're hot. And then they they rule your life and they just, they, they, they're the motivation behind every decision that you make, including prostituting yourself out. Just that's so good, you can see them. Well, that's a good point. So in this movie, here's the function of boys or men in this movie. You have, on the one hand, you have the adult men who are just completely impotent, if you want to use that word. They're powerless. They're semi-dim-witted. They're bumbling. They have the mannerisms of, like, victims of abuse, they're basically just, they look scared. They're walking on eggshells is what they look like. That's what I was trying to trying to get in my mind. That's what it is. Like the dad, he's just like walking on eggshells the whole time, scared to death that his fucking psycho abusive wife is going to flip out on him and like beat him again or something. You know, that's what he looks like. And he's, there's one scene. They do give him one scene. Remember? And the, And we got to it and I'm like, I've been waiting for this scene. I hope they don't fuck it up you know, where he actually goes and talks to his daughter. He actually shows up and acts like a parent. And I'm just, this is a call again, guys. Anybody listening, like, I'm going to use the word parent here. Note that I'm using the word parent, not father, not mother. Can we get away from the goddamn gender issue for one second and be parents? I understand that, like, asshole men are a huge part of why we're in this shithole in the first place is because they have separated, they've sexualized, they made the women useless and they forced them to be quiet and everything, but we've got to get past this shit. And I'm just saying, making movies where you're doing the same thing and making all the women strong and interesting and making all the men stupid and useless is not going to solve the problem. So the man comes in and actually, you know, there's a parental moment where he, there's a, like a possible teaching moment. People like to talk about teaching moments. The dad comes in. He has a moment with the kid. It's a teaching moment. He goes, well, you know, May, you know, sometimes, I can't remember what the hell he said, but it was like kind of semi-useful for like one second. Yeah, and he's like- he finally stepped up and did something. Because he, he record he goes down when she's like recording herself dancing or whatever with her friends and he goes to the basement and watches that video and ends up dancing along with her. And that's supposed to be the like, oh, he's on her side type of thing. But he like his function in this movie is very much kind of like he's like kind of a safe place. You can tell he's 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 kind of like the middle ground, the bridge between the two. And he definitely he seems to have this function of like he's more emotionally balanced than the mother. He's more sane. He's like. He's kind of he's like the glue that kind of actually kind of holds the family together. In but he some also ways. has absolutely no personality. He has no personality and he has no power. And so he basically kind of is represented as basically like a frightened victim, like like the mother, the, the, the daughter and the husband are being abused. And the husband is sort of like it's kind of like he's there just to sort of like exchange glances with May when the mother freaks out. Like he can look at her and be like, I know, I know, crazy mm-hmm. bitch. You know, <laughs> you know, I mean, is that, you know, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about this movie, except that don't bother seeing it. Don't waste your time. I wish that I could have gotten back the hour and whatever of my life that I watched. It literally took us three separate. What do you call it? Seat, sittings, <laughs> sittings. It took three sittings to get through this film, you know, because it's so 
bad. And we turned it off pretty early the first time. And then when we turned it back on the second time, days later, they immediately go into like a dance that like, you can tell they think it's funny. Like the, the writers and the director, they think this is like funny. And I'm like, who the fuck is this movie for? Who's going to think this is funny? Like, who's going to think this is, this is anything except just like, like a little, really in, like stupid. a little toddler who you plop down in front of the TV. Cause you don't want to have to deal with them for a couple hours and they don't understand what it means. And they're just like, ha 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 funny. Re- yeah. That scene reminded me of like the Teletubbies. Oh, like yeah. a movie that's just like a, if you're an adult and you try to watch this, it's like a fever dream. You're like, I'm, I'm sorry. I think I've come down with the brain fever. I have to leave now, you know, because it's so insane and weird and bizarre. But if you're like if you're like two, then you're like, wow, because there's so many bright colors and weird shit going on that it's like really awesome. Or if you're like really high. You know, then you're like, oh, my God, dude, that whole empty canyon, like, foot up of water, and there was, like, a boat came out of nowhere. What the fuck is that sun in the sky with, like, a baby <laughs> face? What is happening, man? Yeah. But if you're not stoned or two years old, you can't even watch it because it's, like, it's a, it's a fever dream. You're just like, oh, I don't feel very well. Something is happening to me. And that's how, like, like these people should have figured out their audience a little bit. But the thing is, they don't have to. Behind The driving thing behind the whole thing, you can just hear the, the fucking, like, smug, woke asshole staring at you going like, you know, you don't have a right to not like this. You don't have a right to not relate to it. If you don't like this, it's because you're a racist. If you, if you can't relate to it, it's because you're a misogynist. You know, it's like that really is the thing. Like, we don't even have to try. It does. Did somebody come along and go like, you know, actually, this movie sucks. And just like, you know, doesn't matter. They ha- they'll have to like it because politically it's right in the pocket, baby. Mm-hmm. So you don't get to not like this movie. 